Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Lord Jesus, you are Lord in this place today. You're Lord in my heart, and I trust you're Lord in the hearts of all those who are listening. We thank you, Lord, as we look into your word, that the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, will think through my mind, will speak through my lips, will quicken the hearts of each person here, give them eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand what you desire to say to your church today through your word. And we give you thanks and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. It's good to be in Bertha again to the church with the most beautiful view of any church that we visit. Now, don't look at the mountains. I've got a word from the Lord for you today. But before I do that, I just want to mention one thing that's on our CD and book table in the back. It's a CD called How to Prosper in Troubled Times. I think we're in troubled times. <laughs> I'll talk a little bit more about that in the message this morning. But this talks about how we lived on the mission field for 18 years uh, where we could not go out and work a job. And at one point in time, and I'm going to talk about that this morning, our income fell 50%. Imagine if your income fell 50%. We couldn't go out and get a job to make up the difference. And God showed us what to do. And that's in this CD. And uh, just a really good foundation about how to prosper. You know, as believers, we're not linked to this world system. Yes, we have to live in the world, but we don't have to live according to the world system. God has a better system that we can live in in the midst of troubled times. So I invite you to, to get this CD. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Honey, would you just open up my water and just bring it right here, please? Thank you. Before I get started, I want to welcome someone. Right there. I hope I didn't butcher the check too much. She was our friend who, uh, she's an American, she lives here, but she's Czech by birth and heritage. And when we moved to Prague, Czech Republic in 1992, she worked for the airlines and she flew over to be in Prague when we arrived and thank God she did because everybody we were counting on turned their backs on us. And she was there and she knew of a good friend who had an apartment for rent, and she called that friend and helped us get into that apartment. And so thank God for Ivana. And she has a friend with her, Dennis, so we welcome them today. And of course, we welcome all of you. Um, if you have your Bible with you this morning, and I trust you do, I invite you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. This morning, I want to talk to you about the future. And specifically, I want to talk to you about your future. So Jeremiah 29, 11, I'll give you a moment to find it. I'm going to be reading it out of the New Living Translation. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So you can see from this verse that God has good plans for each one of our futures, mine and yours, each one of you. But just because God has those good plans for our future does not mean that they come to pass automatically just because we're Christians. If they did, you know, we'd all be living at a level of life that we could only dream about. It doesn't happen automatically. What we do and what we don't do has a lot to do with how our future turns out. Because God has given each one of us a free will to make our own choices and decisions. You know, right now, just naturally speaking, and this is not going to be a downer message, it's going to be a positive message, but I need to start with this. Right now, just naturally speaking, looking in the world around us, things are crazy. 
crazier than I ever remember seeing in my lifetime. We've got inflation that's spiraling out of control. We have highest gas prices we've ever had here in the United States. High food, everything is more expensive, right? We've got crazy laws being passed. Our children are under attack from every avenue. We've got chaos at our southern border. We've got war in Europe with even threats of maybe biological or nuclear weapons being used. I mean, the world is in a mess. And people in the world, even some Christians, are wondering what does the future hold? Wouldn't it be nice if somehow you could go into your future and arrange everything there so that when you got to your future, everything you needed would be in place and waiting for you? How many of you would like that? Well, I have great news for you. You can do that. And this morning, I'm going to tell you how. There are things that you can be doing right now to prepare a good future for you and your family so that favorable circumstances, provision, health, divine connections, protection, anything you may need will be placed into your future and waiting for you when you get there. But even better, on your way to your future, you can be walking in and enjoying those things. And you might ask, well, how is that even possible? Well, I want to share with you three things this morning that will go forward in time into your future and prepare a good future for you. Anybody interested in hearing what those three things might be? All right, I'll start with number one. Number one, speaking the right words. Speaking the right words. Listen to what Jesus said about our words in Mark eleven twenty three, 23. And I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version. He said, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, not whoever thinks about it, not whoever hopes for it, but whoever opens his mouth or her mouth and speaks words to the mountain. You say, a mountain? There's mountains all over the place. We don't need to move these. That's not talking about a literal mountain. It's talking about a problem in your life. But you have to speak to it. And say, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, is will be past, present, or future. It's future tense, right? He will have, again, future tense, whatever he says. So according to Jesus, the words you speak today have a future consequence. They go into your future. Brother Hagen, some of you are familiar with him. I'm talking about Senior Hagen, who's in heaven now. But he said this, and I must have heard him say it hundreds of times. He said, all you are today and all you have today is a direct result of what you believed and said yesterday. That is so good, I'm going to say it again. All you have today, all you are today, is a result of what you believed and said yesterday. So if you don't like what you have right now, then change what you're believing and saying so that your tomorrows will be better. Be different. And here's something important to understand. Even if we pray correctly according to the scriptures, and I know those of you that have been going to this church for any length of time know how to pray the word of God, pray according to the scriptures. But even if you've prayed correctly according to the scriptures, It's the words you consistently speak afterwards that determine whether or not you get the answer to that prayer that you prayed. You say, well, I prayed, but it just doesn't seem to be working. You just canceled out your prayer. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, what Larry, my husband, calls a momentary period of stupidity where, you know, you just get under pressure or your emotions just get all out of whack and you say something stupid once. I'm not talking about that. We probably all have periods, temporary periods of stupidity. But I'm talking about what you say on a consistent basis. If you pray for healing, and then all the time you're talking about sickness, what the doctor said, what medication you're on. Oh, they they had a commercial on TV, and it's flu season. I guess we're all going to get the flu. You cannot expect to have health. If you pray for your family's salvation... But then you talk all the time about how lost they are and how they need God instead of saying, thank God I prayed 
God is working to open the eyes of their understanding. He's sending laborers across their path. I believe they're saved. Or if you pray for finances and afterward all you talk is lack and the bills and how much I owe and how much I don't have in my bank account, you can't expect to have prosperity. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 says in the New King James Version, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast, or we could say be consistent in our confession. And this word confession in the Greek New Testament is real interesting. It means to say the same thing as. To say the same thing as. Let us maintain saying the same thing as. The same thing as what? The same thing as what you prayed? The same thing as what God's Word says? If you speak the opposite of what God says in His Word, you can't expect to have a good future of health and protection and prosperity and whatever else you might need. And you might say, well, I don't know what God's word says about those things. Ah, there they are. That's why God has given you these good pastors. If you've got a need in your life and you don't know of a scripture that covers it, go to them. They will help you find a scripture that you can stand on and, and speak and believe. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19, I'm going to read this in the New King James. Jesus is speaking to those who follow him. He says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, how do we bind and loose? With the words of our mouth. Our words loose either good things or bad things into our life. They either bind the devil from working or they loose him to work. So loose good things into your future by speaking in line with what God said in his word. And then bind the devil. I can bind the devil? Yes, you have authority over the devil. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. We have authority over the devil. You say, well, how do I bind the devil? With the words of your mouth. Just begin to say, Satan, I take authority over you. I bind you. You cannot hinder finances from coming to me. You cannot hinder health from coming to me. I bind you from influencing the minds of those who are unsaved in my family. I say in Jesus' name, you loose them right now. Amen. That's how you bind and loose. Yes. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 14, New American Standard. It says, a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words. It doesn't get much more plain than that. That doesn't even need explanation. You're going to be satisfied with good by what you say. Many Christians are familiar with Psalm 91, and they like to claim its promises. But do you know that Psalm 91 doesn't automatically work for you just because you're born again? There's a key to Psalm 91 working for you. Does anybody know what it is? Found in verse 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge, he is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We have to say it in order for those promises to work for us. Not just in, in that particular verse, but in all the verses of that psalm. Amen. Let me take a little side journey here. In the day in which we're living, I mean, there's craziness all around us, right? We just had a mass shooting in Tulsa. In a hospital, well, not the hospital, but in a doctor's office connected to the hospital. Some guy got mad at the doctor that performed surgery on him because he was still in pain, and he went in and shot two doctors, that doctor, another doctor, uh, a receptionist, and a patient. And they found a note on him. He said, I intend to shoot doctor, whatever his name was, and anybody that gets in my way. I mean, it's crazy. Every day we hear mass shootings, just crazy stuff going on. Listen, we need to be familiar with Psalm 91. So I encourage you, read that psalm regularly. And even go beyond that, because you don't always have your Bible with you. When you're in the shopping center, if gunfire breaks out, you know, you don't have a Bible to whip out. Say, so, well, where's Psalm 91? Let me find it. Memorize it. It does not take long to memorize Psalm 91. And I like to personalize it. I, I, I do it this way. I dwell in the secret place of you, O Most High God. I abide under your shadow, Almighty One. The Amplified says, Whose power no foe can withstand. I save you, Lord. You are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my God. I trust in you. Surely, 
you will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. In modern day, we could say the traps of the devil and so forth and so on. I personalize it so that it's me talking to God personally. Be aggressive with Psalm 91. Don't wait until the crisis hits. Start reading it all the time, regularly. Let me read you a true story. This actually happened during World War I. The 91st Infantry Brigade of the U.S. Expeditionary Army was entering combat in Europe. A brigade had anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000 soldiers. Most of these men had never seen combat before. Their commander was a devout Christian, and he called an assembly of his men, and he gave each one of them the 91st Psalm printed on a card. And they all made an agreement together that every day they would read Psalm 91. That brigade fought in three of the bloodiest wars of World War I. Other brigades lost up to 90% of the men in their brigade. This particular brigade did not lose one single man. They read the 91st Psalm every day. There's power in the Word of God. The second thing that goes into your future drum roll you're giving you're giving Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 1 I'm going to read this out of the New American Standard Ecclesiastes 11 1 it says cast your bread on the surface of the waters for you will find it after many days now what on earth does that mean well when the children of Israel were traveling they would reap a harvest they would keep some seed for their journey and then they would take the rest of the seed and they would throw it on the surface of the river. And so as the river carried that seed downstream and the river would overflow its banks, it would deposit the seed on the banks of the river and that's where the most rich soil is. And so they would travel and they would come upon a harvest that was already there and waiting for them. We can see this same principle in the New Testament in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. I'm going to read this in the New International Version. It says, Give, and it will be, past, present, or future? Future. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be, in the future, poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be, future, measured to you. One more scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. In the New American Standard Version. He who sows bountifully will or shall I think the King James says reap bountifully again future tense I mean does a farmer expect an immediate harvest the second he puts the seed in the ground no he doesn't he knows that it takes time for that seed to germinate some seed germinates faster than others and produces a crop faster but eventually every seed that's planted provided it gets water and light and all of that will sometime in the future come up so each time you give, you need to give with the understanding, I am planting seed for a future financial harvest. And the, the, the wonderful thing is, a lot of times it manifests at just the time you need it. When we were living as missionaries in Poland, 9-11 hit when the Twin Towers were attacked and came down. And sad to say, a lot of Christians in America got scared and they started holding their money back. They weren't giving like like they should be which is the stupidest thing you could do in a crisis you don't stop giving but anyway that's like taking a gun and shooting yourself in the foot but overnight our support dropped 50% and at that time we were, we, our church was young we were floating our church with our tithes and we were paying our national staff out of our own pocket so those, those expenses we could not cut so the only way that we knew to get by was we had to cut our own living expenses. So we started looking for a cheaper place to live. And I'm telling you, some of the places we looked at, <laughs> they were pretty bad. And I didn't want to show it on my face. I, I knew my husband was under enough pressure as it was. I didn't want to add to it. But I just kept thinking, oh, dear God, I don't know if I can live here or not. But a young man in our church, he and his brothers actually were in our church, and they do finish work in homes, lay tile, paint, that kind of thing. And he came to us and he said, I've got a lady who just is finishing up a house. She's, uh, she's Polish, but her family has moved to Germany, and they have their own trucking business. They're very prosperous. And they're building this house to retire. They want to retire and come back to Poland. And she's interested in renting the house. Would you be 
willing to go and take a look at it? We said, sure. When we pulled up in front of that place, I thought to myself, there is no way on God's green earth that we could ever afford this place. It was beautiful. The Polish people called it the little castle. Two-story, gorgeous. And we went inside, it had marble floors with the heat in the floors. Everything in the kitchen was built in, even the refrigerator. It had a dishwasher, which was unheard of at that time. I mean, the house was just beautiful, and I thought, she's going to want a fortune for this house. And she started talking to us, and she said, you know, I like Zbizhik, that was his name, in, in your church. And I asked Zbizhik, because he told me that you Americans were looking to rent a place. And I said, well, are they as nice as you are? And he listened to what he said. He said, oh, they're nicer than I am. They're my pastors. Do you talk about your pastors like that? Well, thank God Zbizhik did. And so she talked to us a little while, and then she told us what she would rent the house to us for, and I almost fell out of my chair. I mean, it was almost half less than what we were paying at the place we were living in. Not only that, but it was closer to the school and the church because we had Bible school every day. We were at that church every day except Saturday and twice on Wednesdays. And gas at that time was eight fifty a gallon in Poland. You know why? Get on my little soapbox just a minute. Socialism, exactly what they're trying to implement here in America. Everything, you paid like 40 to 60% of your salary directly to the government. You had no say-so in how it was used. You had health care, but you would not want that health care. It was horrible. And then everything had value-added tax on it of 22%. Now, I don't know what tax is here in, in Colorado, sales tax. But imagine if it was 22% on everything. So it was a blessing to live closer to the school and the church. So I thought back, and I thought, you know what? We sowed seed for this a long time ago. When we were in Prague, we, out of our own pocket, we paid for apartments for a lot of the, the students who could not afford, because Prague was you know, the major capital city. It was cheaper to live in other small cities, but Prague was expensive for them. We paid for their apartments. We paid for a lot of them's tuition so they could afford to come to school. And I thought, the harvest came on that. Another example, when God told us to go on television in Poland, we didn't have the money to do that. And we didn't tell anybody. We just talked to each other about it. And we came back to the States one summer to itinerate, and we, we were supposed to go to this church in Ohio. A friend of my husband's had started this church, and he had asked us to come and hold meetings. And we got there, and he said, I almost called you and told you not to come. He said, I've already had a church split. <laughs> Bless his heart. I mean, the church was just a few weeks old, and he'd already had a church split. And he said, I can't even guarantee if anybody will come to these meetings. And we said, well, we're already here. We might as well, you know, preach. So we counted, and there were like, over a period of three nights, there were maybe 13 different people. They didn't all come on the same night. 13 different people. And so we finished the meetings, and we're driving down the highway going to our next church, and the phone rang. Now, this pastor had four children. And so he, Larry answers the phone. I'm driving, and he says, are you sitting down? And, you know... <laughs> Your first tendency is just think the worst, you know. We thought, oh, dear God, has something happened to one of the children? And Larry said, well, no, we're not sitting down. We're driving down the highway. He said, well, you might want to pull off the highway. And we're thinking, oh, man. And he said, I just counted the offering, and he said it was $27,000. That's the largest offering we've ever received. And immediately we looked at each other, and we said, that's for television. And... I mean, just the seed was there. It was there. And then, you know, years later, and we sowed every penny of it into television. And that television is still going. In fact, it's going bigger than ever. The young man that was over the TV ministry, after we left, TBN approached him. And they wanted to go on the air there, and they're on the air now. And he's the president of TBN Poland. And it's going all over the nation in the Polish language. So, I mean, from a little bitty seed, a little bitty step of obedience... And God just took it and exploded it. But then when we got ready to move back to the States, after God spoke to us and told us to move back to the States, we needed money to do that. And so we spent everything we had just shipping our, some goods back, not all of them, just some, and buying airline tickets. And, and we needed to remodel our house. It had been rented for 18 years. You know, we needed vehicles and just 
supernaturally God brought the money in and I thought back we sowed that seed into television and this is our harvest so some of you here this morning are facing financial challenges you need to call in your harvest too many times we just give and give and we give and we give and we never call in our harvest what if the farmer just kept sowing seed sowing seed sowing seed and never went out and reaped the field well what would be the purpose well I mean you know when we give we're obeying God and we're demonstrating our love and all of that but God wants us to reap that harvest you need to start calling in your harvest you say well how do I do that with the words of your mouth <laughs> I call in my harvest over all the giving that I've done I call it in. Psalm 103 verse 20 says that the angels of God hearken, listen, obey the voice of God's word. We had a friend, a minister friend, and he was in debt. And he had been praying his heart out for about two weeks and nothing was changing. And one day as he was praying, he opened his eyes and looked up and this humongous angel just stepped right through the wall of his room. And he said, it just came right out of him, a scripture. My God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When he said that, choo, that angel took off, went right back through the wall, and he said within just a short time, every need was met. See, we have to say something. We have to get involved. You need to reap your harvest. Don't let your harvest just sit out in the field and rot. Reap it, because then you have more to give again and to be blessed yourself. The third thing that goes into your future, your prayers, your prayers. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. I'm reading this out of the New King James Version. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now jump down to verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, a lot of Christians want to claim the promise of verse 28. Well, God causes all things to work together for good. And then they wonder why things aren't working together for their good. But you have to understand this verse in the context in which it's written. And what has Paul been talking about, the Holy Spirit through Paul, in the verses leading up to verse 28? Prayer. Amen. All things don't just automatically work together for good. You know, the house burns down, the dog gets run over, you lose your job. That isn't God working all things for your good, even though some of our Christian friends, you know, in their little way of doctrinally thinking, well, God knows what's better for me than I do. That's the devil. Quit blaming God for what the devil does. Take authority over the devil. Stop that. But prayer is what's being talked about leading up to verse 28. All things don't automatically work together for good, but they do work together for good to believers who will pray and allow the Holy Spirit to help them pray. One of the advantages of praying with the help of the Holy Spirit can be seen in John 16, 13. I'm reading this out of the New American Standard. It says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose or show you what is to come. An important aspect of the Holy Spirit's work in our life is to show us things to come, or we could say, show us the future. Show us the future. Let's go back real quick to Romans 8, 26 and 27. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Well, what is our weakness? Oh, it's being sick, sister. No, it isn't. Just keep reading. The, the, the verse tells you what your weakness is. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. One of the greatest areas where we don't know what to pray for is the future. Because we don't know the future. But... The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit will help you pray out your future and help you pray right into the center of God's will for your life, God's plan for your life. So how can you go wrong? One way, failing to pray. Failing to pray. 
I like, when I was a kid growing up in church, we call this verse God's telephone number. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, New American Standard. It says, call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things. One translation says hidden things. Another translation says inaccessible things which you do not know. The New Living Translation says, Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come or the future. The future contains a lot of secrets that we don't have a clue about. But the Holy Spirit does. And he will help us pray. You know, just naturally speaking, knowledge of the future is totally inaccessible to mankind. And some people think that the devil knows the future. So they'll go to a fortune teller or call up a psychic or go to a palm reader. Listen, you need to, don't, I know this church knows better. Don't mess with that. You're on the devil's territory. And besides, the devil doesn't know the future anyway. The only thing the devil can do is see patterns of behavior and make some predictions based on seeing the patterns of behavior. For example, you know, if the devil sees that somebody is an alcoholic, well, you could pretty much predict that they're going to lose their job, maybe lose their family. So the devil can see patterns of behavior, but the devil does not know the future. Only God knows the future. But God has given us as believers a key to tap in to the future. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. I'm reading out of this uh, New American Standard Bible. It says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. The Amplified Bible says he utters secret truths and hidden things. See, God isn't hiding things about our future from us. He's hiding them for us. And the reason that he's hiding them is so the enemy can't access them and mess things up. But as we pray in the Holy Ghost and other tongues, we start getting understanding. We'll, we'll get little, little insights. Some people may see it in the form of an inward vision. You'll just suddenly see yourself doing something or see yourself in a certain place. See yourself with a new and better job. See yourself in a different house or a different city or whatever. Or you'll just have an inward knowing. Something's getting ready to change. I don't know exactly what it is. I'm going to pray more in other tongues. And then you begin to get an idea of what it is that's changing. As we pray in the Holy Ghost and other tongues, the devil does not understand what we're saying, but we are tapping in to secrets about the future. And then they become revelation to us. And eventually they become what we walk in. Let me share some quick examples. I taught at Rama for nine years, Rama Bible Training Center in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And uh, we had, the students had an assembly twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. All the students would come together, and many times there would be a guest speaker. And so the dean of the school uh, brought these young Canadians back to speak. They were graduates of the school, and he said, I want you to hear their story. And so they said, you know, when we were students, because we were foreign students, we couldn't work after school. So we would just, you know, go home, and, and we would do some praying. And they said, we knew God wanted us to start a church in Canada. But we didn't have any money, we didn't have any contacts, we didn't know anything. So they just took a piece of paper, and between the two of them, they just started writing down things that they knew they would need to start a church. Well, you know, we'll need a building, someplace to meet. Uh, we'll need money. We're going to need somebody to work with children. We're going to need worship leader because neither of us is musical. And they just went down the list of all the things they needed. And so every day they would go home after school and they would pray about these things. Just pray in other tongues and, and you'll just mention it, lift it before the Lord. Guess what? When they graduated and went back to Canada, within a matter of time, somebody came to them and said, we heard you're, you're wanting to start a church. We know of a building for rent and it's real economical. So they had their building. Then somebody came up to them and said, we've worked with children in the past. Do you need somebody to work with children? And then somebody else came up and said, well, I play the guitar and sing. Do you need anybody to lead worship? And I mean, one by one, right down the list, everything they'd prayed about came right to them. Why? Because their prayers had gone into the future and prepared things there. Let me share a couple of personal examples of when the Holy Spirit revealed things about the future that we had no idea about. When we were still living in the Czech Republic, I was leading prayer with the students 
Uh, you know, we did this like every day just for a period of time before, before or after class. And so I'm leading prayer with the students, and I'm just walking back and forth across the front of the classroom praying in other tongues. And one day I heard myself say this in English. Now this will happen to you. This isn't just for preachers. This will happen to you. You'll be praying in other tongues, and suddenly English words will rise up in your heart. Go ahead and speak them out. Well, yeah, but what if that's just me? Well, there's nobody there but you and God. He's not going to slap you down. You know, did you take your little child when they were learning to walk and the first time they tried to take a couple of steps and fell on the floor, did you pick them up and spank them and say, never do that again? Well, God's not going to do that to you either. <laughs> so anyway, I was praying in other tongues and I heard myself say in English, other nations, other nations. So I told the students, I said, well, I think the Lord wants us to pray about other nations. So we did that for two or three days, and then I'm leading prayer, and I heard myself say, to the north, to the north. And I said, okay, guys, stop. We've been praying in general for nations, but now let's pray to all the nations north of the Czech Republic. So we did that for two or three days, and then I heard myself say one day, Poland. Now you've got to understand, we had no intention of ever going to Poland, we were planning to stay in the Czech Republic, maybe one day go to China, and we didn't have any contacts there. We didn't know a soul. I said, well, the Lord wants us to pray for Poland. Let's pray for Poland. So we prayed for Poland for two or three days. We go home one day after school, open our mailbox. There's a letter from a pastor in Poland inviting us to come and minister in his church. And then a couple of days later, here comes another letter. And that letter was for the young man who is now the pastor of the church that we started in Poland. He was one of our interpreters. Uh, and so then the next year we had nine Polish students come to Prague, and then the next year we had seven more. And then God began that, that second year to deal with us to move to Poland and start a school and a church there like we had in the Czech Republic. And... Uh, when we moved there, we already had 16 graduates. So that was a big help, because when we moved to Prague, we didn't know anybody. <laughs> then I mentioned that, that we went on TV when we were in Poland. But while we were still in the Czech Republic, again, in prayer, in one of our church prayer meetings, just sitting on the front row, minding my own business, praying in other tongues, I heard myself say in English, television. And I was like, because <laughs> I had worked for a pastor years earlier who had a daily radio program and he would get behind taping and he would have to lock himself in a room all day long and record radio programs and I thought if radio is that hard I sure don't want to have anything to do with television but I just kept praying in other tongues and one day I heard myself pray out free air time and I thought well obviously that's not God because everybody knows you have no free airtime when you go on television. Well, I just hadn't lived in Poland yet. Not only did we have free airtime, they paid us $125 a program just for the privilege of airing our television program. Now, that didn't begin to pay for what it cost to produce one, but hey, every little bit helped. And then I heard myself pray one time, all equipment provided. And when we got ready to go on TV, I put one little sentence in our newsletter and pastor started calling us what do you need what do you need you need sound equipment we'll buy it you need lighting we'll buy it you need uh, cameras we'll buy them everything was provided but all of this was prayed out two years before we even moved to Poland and I could tell you so many more supernatural things that happened to get us on, on TV but that would be another story for another time you know we can compare prayer to like tracks that a train runs on as long as there's tracks running ahead of that train, all is well. The train will just move right along. But you let the tracks run out, and there's going to be big problems. There's going to be a train wreck. Prayer is like the track that our lives run on. And as long as we're sending that track out ahead of us, all is well. But you let the prayer stop, and the problems are going to crop up. So instead of reaching a place where we have to, you know, we're in a crisis and we have to cry out to God for mercy and say, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It's better to keep that prayer going out ahead of us by praying out our future, especially in other tongues. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you're never going to have another problem in life. This lady came up once in a prayer line to Brother Hagin, and she said, I want you to pray that the devil will leave me alone. And Brother Hagin said, oh, you want me to pray that you'll die? 
She said, no, I don't want you to pray that I'll die. He said, well, lady, that's the only way that the devil will ever leave you alone. As long as you're on this earth, he's going to be, you know, trying something. But when we prepare ahead of time through prayer and we reach that crisis or that problem situation, we're already prepared. Then we'll have wisdom or the right answers or whatever we need to either stop the, pro the problem or minimize it so that it's not as bad as it could have been. I know a lot of people that were praying before 9-11. I mean, they were picking up things. Some people even saw buildings come down. They were picking up things. And so because of prayer, it was minimized. It wasn't stopped. Not everything in life can be stopped because people have human wills. But things can be minimized. Or we can go around the problem. Or God can give us grace to triumphantly navigate through that problem to the other side victorious. Let me, in closing, I want to explain why this works. Because a lot of people don't understand, well, how does that work? How can I pray today and set up things in the future? I heard somebody give this explanation once, and I thought it was so good. I mean, most of us have heard and know that God is the great I am, Right? He's not the great I was. He's not the great I will be. He's the great I am. Every day, throughout all ages of time, he's the great I am. All of time, past, present, and future is all now to him. In the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel saw an appearance of the Lord, and he described it. He said it was like a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Now, I want you to think for a minute about a bicycle tire. There's, there's like a hub in the middle, right? And then there's spokes going out in all directions from that hub. So now picture this, that all of, of time is like a giant wheel. And God is the center of the wheel. And all the spokes that are going out from the center are past, present, future. But God in the center is present at all times in all ages. He can see all, all past, present, and future all at the same time. So when you're praying today, or you're giving today, or you're speaking today, God can look down the spoke of the present, hear and see what you're doing, and reach right over into the spoke of the future and set it up into your future. Amen. He can do that because he's God <laughs> he's a great God and you know what he delights in providing for his children but we have to give him something to work with it's like I said in the beginning he has good plans for us but they don't automatically come to pass just because we're born again we have to give him something to work with so in conclusion remember these three things that go into your future your words your giving and your prayers and if you don't already have those th three things active going into your future, preparing your future, I encourage you, get them, get them active today. Amen. Maybe go back over this message. Go back over these scriptures and start preparing a future for yourself, for your family, of blessing and health, protection, provision, anything that you might need. Get that working in your future. And it'll be working for you as you go toward your future. Amen? Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it has not fallen on stony ground, but it has fallen on good ground. And I believe it will produce some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. And Father, we determine, I know, which, which ground we are. So I believe, Father God, today that we have all determined that we're 100-fold ground. And so I thank you, Father, that we will not just be hearers of this word, but we will be doers of it. We'll release our words, we'll release our giving, and we'll release our prayers into our future. And as we walk toward our future, and as we arrive at our future, Father, there will be provision of everything that we need along the way. And I thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Now, with your head still bowed, there's one thing that we need to be preparing right now for our future and it's the most important thing that we could ever prepare for our future and that's our eternal future because this life is short in the light of eternity a million years from now a billion ten billion a hundred billion years from now each one of us will be in one place or the other even either in heaven or in hell and once you get to either one of those places there's no 
getting out. Of course, if you're in heaven, you don't want to get out. But in hell, there's no getting out. So if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus your Savior, or maybe at some time in the past you have made Jesus as your Savior, but right now you know you're away from him, you need to change that today. You need to prepare your eternal future. So if that's you, you say, I've never made Jesus my Savior. I can't remember a time when I ever invited Jesus into my life. Or you've done it in the past, but right now you know you're away from him. Let me pray with you this morning before you leave, and let's change that. Anybody, just by lifting your hand, say, pray for me. I need prayer today. I need prayer today. Pray for me. All right, I think I saw a hand that's in praise rather than... <laughs> if it's in praise, put it down. If it's not and you want prayer, keep it up. All right, good. Okay, then I take it that everyone here is a believer and you're walking in fellowship with God like you need to be. Good, good for you. But I also mentioned about praying in other tongues, how you can pray out your future yeah. by praying in other tongues. If you're born again, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Even though the disciples walked with Jesus for three and a half years, he told them before he left, he said, don't go anywhere, don't go do anything until you go to Jerusalem and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's for every Christian. So if you're here this morning and you're born again, but you say, I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, but I want to be filled this morning. If you'll just lift your hand, we're going to pray with you. You will receive. But I've been prayed for before and I didn't receive. You'll receive today. Because yes. God showed me something a long time ago and almost every single person I've ever shared this with immediately began to speak with tongues. So if you want to be filled and you haven't been, let me know. All right? Anybody else? Come forward, brother. Let us, let us pray with you. I'm going to tell you what I told these. There were these ladies that came to our meeting in Kentucky, and they were like, I don't know, they were close to 100 years old. <laughs> they were old, and they said, we've been raised in Pentecostal churches, and we've been prayed for hundreds of times. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, help me help these ladies. And instantly, he showed me something to tell them. And here's what he told me to tell them. You know, it says in the New Testament that if we ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, that he'll give him to us. And so we're going to pray with you in a minute, and we're going to ask. And God is always faithful to do his part. And his part is to give you the language. But you have a part. And this is what I didn't understand because I grew up in a Pentecostal church too. And I thought that God was going to come down and take control of my tongue and make me speak. So for three years, I'd go up when they gave an invitation like this and I would stand there and wait for God to take over my tongue. But he won't do that. He'll never do anything to force himself on us. We have to cooperate. So after we pray, he's going to give you the language you're going to need to speak. And it, to you, it will just be like syllables. It's an act of faith right. that I believe whatever I speak after I ask him to fill me will be the language that he's giving me. You can't receive the Holy Spirit like this. You can't receive the Holy Spirit like this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Speaking in English or any other language you may have learned or know. And it'll just sound like syllables to you. But here's the thing that he told me to tell these ladies that set them free. Because I think they were so afraid they were going to make a mistake or it would just be them and not God. And here's what he told me to tell them. Anything you say after you pray and ask God to fill you, as long as it's not English or some other language that you know, will be right. You absolutely cannot make a mistake. And that set them free. So it's going to just be like syllables to you. Okay, you ready? So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that our brother has received Jesus as his Savior, and now he's asking him, you to fill him with the Holy Spirit. So right now, Father, yeah. we ask and we thank you that he is filled with the Holy Spirit, and you've given him that language that he can speak in worship and praise to you. In Jesus' name. Now just begin to speak those syllables. It's just going to be syllables. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you,
Ina makore menege ne daya sotoya eteya stetoko sotora erbaka sotore menini. I can't hear you now, sir. Are you speaking something that is not English or some other language? All right, but you will. Well, just say this with me. Say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You promised me the Holy Spirit. Now I receive that heavenly language in Jesus' name, and now I speak. See, it's so simple that we, we, pro, we over-process it with yeah. our brain. Thank you. You've got to Thank trust you, him that whatever comes out of your mouth is the language you, he's Father. giving you. Anything you just say some syllables that aren't English. I promise you it'll be right. It won't be Amen. wrong. It'll come it, 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 it's coming right now. Just speak it out. You're not making it up. That's what the devil wants you to think. Well, if you say that, it'll just be you yeah. making it up. It isn't. It's God. Just you, begin to speak some syllables. Just like so a baby It's not going to come out of your head. It's going to come out here. of your heart. It's a lot easier than you think it is. He's just waiting for you to just say one little syllable so he can just give you all of that language. Are you doing it? Okay, then that's it. That's it. If even a little bit came out, that's it. Now don't let the devil tell you, nah, that wasn't it. That was just you. No, it wasn't, because God is faithful. He's bigger than the devil. Amen. He's not going to let the devil get in and give you something or just cause you to do something out of your head. God gave you that language. Amen. Now, it's your job to exercise yes. it. Right. And I realize you're right here in front of God and everybody, so it can be a little intimidating. Yes. But here's what I want you to do. Go home this afternoon, mm -hmm. get somewhere off by yourself, even drive in the car or something by yourself, and just let that flow. Okay? Amen. okay? Yes. You'll do it? Yes, I'll do but it. listen, you received. Yeah. I received. Because the devil came to me and he tried to tell me, oh, that was just you. Just and you know what I did? I just let him have it yeah. in tongues. <laughs> and he has never bothered me with that again. Yeah, I believe. So you've received. Uh, you've received. received. Amen. 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 Bless you. God bless you. Bless you. God bless you. you too, sir. Now, quickly, I've got a well, few things. Well, before we get started, uh, uh, could you put up 2 Corinthians chapter 10? Uh, chapter 9 and verse 10, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Sometimes, uh, you know, when, when we get started in things of God and we haven't been given or we, we, we don't understand God wants us to be prosper uh, and we're starting at a level. Look at what this scripture says. Now he who ministers seed to the sower both ministers bread for food and multiply the seed sown and increase uh, the, fruits of your the fruits of your righteousness. Who does God give seed to? Excuse me? The sower. Okay, well you may not have seed to sow, but you can qualify by saying, okay, Lord, your scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, I now purpose in my heart to be a sower and you said see because God can't lie that's one thing he cannot do and and God will never fail his word never fail you just say Lord I'm I qualify right now to be a sower and you said you'd give me seed to sow so I thank you that seed is on its way to me Amen. and when I get it I'll sow so I don't know who that was for maybe it was for someone on the internet but I'm telling you, that's the way to get the ball rolling. Yeah. You determine whether or not you're a sower. You determine. You determine. 
It's a decision. Go ahead. Um, I want to lay hands on some people this morning for healing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And really, the Lord has been having me call this out everywhere we go because it's so widespread. <clears throat> if anything started in your body while you had COVID or since you've had the vaccine, there's a condition in your body that did not exist before you had COVID or since you got the vaccine. We want to lay hands on you because God wants to set you free from that. He doesn't want you to have any residual effects from having COVID or getting the vaccine. Anybody, something has started in your body. Ivana, let us lay hands on you real quick. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We, we take authority right now in the name of Jesus over this condition in Ivana's body as a result of either having COVID or the vaccine. We command every symptom to go, and whatever the root cause of that is, we release the anointing there right now. Now. To change in it. Jesus' name. To correct it. We thank you, Father. We thank say you, Father. no more of we that. We forbid it to function right. any longer. In Jesus' name. Health and wholeness. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Health Amen. and wholeness in yes. Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank Lord. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Anyone else? Anybody else for that particular thing? <clears throat> Anyone that's been having kidney, bladder, or urinary tract infections? Kidney, bladder, or urinary tract infections. And you might not have one right now, but, you know, you get them, and fairly, fairly often. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I take authority. Now, is there an infection there right now? Oh. In the name of Jesus. We curse Can I put my hands back here on your kidneys? Would you mind? In the name of Jesus. In the name cancer, of Jesus. You I curse you, cancer. You we leave these you kidneys in the name, in the of, name Jesus. of Jesus. Leave and we command now you to in the leave name of Jesus. Body. We thank you, Father God. The very life thank of you, God. Lord. The very life of God flowing into these kidneys right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We curse thank every you, cancerous cell. We command you, new Lord. cells, fresh cells, whole cells to take their place because your word says that the same spirit that raised That's Jesus right. from the dead is quickening, making alive her mortal body. We thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Now, if you go back into Deuteronomy 28, 28 cancer is under that curse, and Christ has redeemed us from that curse so cancer's under the curse, so you're redeemed from cancer, but you say that. I'm cancer-free. I'm redeemed from cancer. I'm cancer-free. Right. Cancer can't live in me. Cancer-free. Amen. 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 Because that's what you need to say when fear attacks you. When, because cancer has such a fear mentality Anybody that ever is diagnosed with cancer, just fear automatically comes and overpowers that person. And Tries to. But faith is what receives from God, and, and fear is just believing the lies of the devil. You're redeemed from the curse, and cancer's under the curse, therefore you're, cancer, you're redeemed from cancer, and you're cancer-free. Well, what about the report I get from the doctor? I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by what I believe. And I believe that I'm redeemed from the curse of the law and cancer's under the curse, and I'm redeemed from cancer. Amen. Amen. Did you have something else, honey? No. Okay, I had one more thing. You know, we said we're having a, a miracle service tonight, and it, basically it's a miracle and healing service tonight. But if you know you absolutely, there's no way yeah, you can be back tonight and you want hands laid on you for healing for anything this morning, if you'll come forward, we'll lay hands on you. I want healing in my body. Can't be back tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you. We lay hands on Dennis and I release the healing power of God to flow in his Thank body Jesus, from yeah. the top of his head to now, the soles yeah. of his you just feet, be healed driving out every symptom, from every correcting sickness, anything every that's disease, not functioning properly, lie, 
of the devil. Yes, we release the anointing to the root cause of the problem. We thank you for that healing power to flow at the root of the problem and correct it. Yes. Your healing power flow to the root of the problem and correct it. Yes. Causing change. Causing change. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Healing power flowing in Dennis now in Jesus' name. Father, I just take authority over every generational curse in my yeah. family, Father. Yeah. And I command those to be broken. That's right. That's right. They're broken. Said earlier, I am They're redeemed broken. from the curse right. of the You're world, redeemed. whether it's generational or otherwise. That's right. I am no longer under that curse. That's, That's right. right. That's right. In Jesus' name. That's right. That's right. That's right. Tell him what you did, honey. Uh, he did the same thing. My father, <laughs> and, and he's, he's, uh, he's got 12 siblings, and almost all of them died of cancer. And I found no out, heart attack, darling. Heart no, attack. excuse me, heart, heart disease. <laughs> and I He's found still over out there in that. that I had authority, just like what you were talking about. And I took the name of Jesus because I had authority, and I said, in Jesus' name, I break the power of heart disease over my life and over my brother. Even his life. cousins were dying. And even of my it. cousins. I mean, I've almost almost all my uncles, all my aunts, and cousins. many of my cousins, male and female died with heart disease and my brother and I have never had any problems with it. Not a symptom. Because years ago I found out my authority in Jesus in the name of Jesus and I broke that curse in my life and for my brother and thank God we've never had any any kind of heart disease. And he's gonna be seventy in October, yeah. so that's right. a long time. <laughs> yeah. Now something where the pastors disappeared to there's one of them. While we were in the back room and all had our hands joined and we were praying before the service, the Lord said this to me. The spirit of knowing and seeing is going to increase dramatically yep. in your lives. Amen. You especially, but also in Marianne. You're going to be able to see into the future. Yep. See things that are coming. Get the church ready for it. You be prepared for it. Your family be prepared for it if they'll listen to you. And you're going to know. You're going to know things supernaturally before they happen. And you know, all of us, we say this all the time because it's so crazy. Oh, there you are. That's for you too. <laughs> you know, it's so crazy around us. All, we say this all the time. We will always be in the right place at the right time, never in the wrong place at the wrong time. And we just say that consistently. Yeah. Doing the right thing with the right Well, we say all of right that too, attitude. but I'm thinking primarily about protection yeah. and safety yeah. in this day and age. We say that consistently, and of course Psalm 91 too. But um, I think that's all I had for yeah. this morning. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, why, is it something about us or is it about everybody or okay can you just give us very quickly the gist of it without taking much time at all Let's Good. do that right now. Amen. We come against anything and everything that has hindered the growth of this church. Amen. We bind every devil, every demon. We cancel any assignment against this church, against people 
in the church, against people who have left the church, against people who are supposed to be coming to the church. We break the power of the enemy to blind them, to lie to them anymore. We take authority over any assignment of the enemy that has been made against this church to stop its growth in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father God, that people are coming from the north, the south, the east, and the yes. west. Hungry people. People who have never heard the word. People who, who are looking. They're searching. They're trying in this, in this day and this time to find some rock, some anchor, something that they can hold on to, something that will give them assurance and confidence. And so, Father, I ask you to lead them to this place. I thank you, Father God, that word of this place is being spread abroad in this community and in this area. And we just thank you for divine growth in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, tonight, you know, uh, God said he confirms his word with signs following. Tonight, I'm going to be sharing from the scripture his will concerning healing and miracles. And I just expect him to show up and show out. Amen. Because God always confirms his word. He's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should change his mind. When he says it, he causes it to come to pass. So we'll be focusing in on healings and miracles tonight. Amen. So if you know someone in need of a miracle, in need of healing, uh, please bring them. And you come yourself. And uh, last but not least, uh, you can take Angela and I home with you. We won't via, eat much that way. Via our CDs. <laughs> Uh, we've got a variety of CDs back there. One of the ones that she mentioned, Angela's got a wonderful book on private worship. If you haven't read that book, it's awesome. It's uh, one of the best books I believe I've ever read on worship. And then also we're going to be involved with a Bible school, a missions Bible school, and there's information on the table for that. And if you want to uh, stay in touch with our ministry, we have an email sign-up list back there. Email newsletter. I send it out every other month. Every other month. So uh, 